So hi, welcome to Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with Eva from Eva Under Fire. And we're going to ask her some questions today about their new singles, Blow, Comatose, and Unstoppable. So congrats on, the, on those, by the way. How do you feel about the response of all of them so far? So far, so good. And probably better than expected, right? Especially for Blow, because, you know, I, I know you guys haven't dropped this little piece of information, but Spencer Charnas of Einstein Kills have yeah. to join us on that one. Yes. So um, it was super fun. I think that, you know, this particular record was interesting because it was the first time that we wanted to do, you know, it big. And so when the when the producers found us and the record label found us and all of this, it changed the game, right? We're we're just used to writing and jamming by our by ourselves in the in the garage, you know, in the jam space. Mm-hmm. Um, but then having all of their help to promote this and and drop it into the internet universe, right? And then for people to love it was just super cool because I think we we explored a little bit more um, heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, aspects of our sound on these on a couple of these particularly with comatose um, and then also wildly different end of the spectrum for unstoppable which is just fun and um, a little campy but I you know I love it mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> fair enough so it was it was a it was a different vibe than we're used to but I, I think the response has been epic yeah all, oh, all sure. the songs are great I'm partial to blow though I love that song so much <laughs> sure uh, so as you mentioned, you actually do have Spencer Charnas as a feature on two uh, on one of these two tracks that have features. Uh, your other feature is Jonathan from Ego Kills Death. How did those features come about, and what was it like working with everybody? Oh, it was it was cool. Um, so and and just for record, Ego Kill Talent is fantastic. Um, and we'll, but we were new to their music, right? But we share a uh, manager, so mm-hmm. that was kind of an interesting thing. Because all of this came together over pandemic world, uh, it was very strange not meeting people in person, not going to studio and like having those types of connections. But everybody was very down for Zoom chats. And so, you know, kind of like someone knew another person who was interested, um, particularly the management for the um, for Jonathan on Eagle Kill Talent uh, coming on board for Comatose. Um, But then the other connection for Spencer we were both part of a um, independent film called The Retaliators, which is super oh. epic horror film. And um, it, they wanted Blow for the soundtrack. So uh, sidebar, a soundtrack for that movie is going to be absolutely sick. Sounds um, like it. Yes. <laughs> so like Five Figure Death Bits is on it. Um, Blow, of course, is on it. And there's uh, so many different other artists who also have music on the soundtrack. So it's killer soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um but with both of us being cameos in the film, it made sense, right? So we kind of pitched it to Spencer and uh, he came back with a really cool idea. He was like, I think this would be killer, but what if we wrote the second verse to, you know, be the character that I portray in the film? Mm-hmm. So that's actually like the his his feature is written from his character's perspective in that oh, film, cool. which I thought was kind of a cool vibe. Yeah. That is so sick. That's very cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was it was I was like, yes, yes, (laughs) let's do that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little about your writing process for these tracks? Oh, so many different ones. So I started by saying that the guys and I in the band usually uh, used to writing, just jamming together in a room. You know, we're all um, 
you know, from the same area locally. And, and so we all just kind of get together in a jam space a lot. Mm-hmm. But when we brought that energy to the producers too, um, it's almost adding like a sixth band member to yeah. your component. Right. So it's, um, it was interesting. It was, it, you know, at first tempers were flaring personalities flare all the time. Right. But mm-hmm. I think as we kind of got down to, what are we trying to say and how do we serve the song? Everything flowed so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to be able to um, explore different topics in different ways. Cause I think that the sixth member in the room was like, you guys are so used to doing emotional music, which is wonderful, but why don't you also explore not just dark emotions, but fun, lighthearted emotions as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So I think it, it helped to open that up for, for us as writers. So I think this album is kind of reflective of that full spectrum, which is really cool. Very cool. And I'm sure. glad that like you cited like the, the producers, like a six member of the band, because like everybody kind of knows that like behind the scenes, but no bands like really say it publicly mm-hmm. that like how much the producer helped them with writing and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think it's important to acknowledge the behind the scenes that challenge you to be your best version of your artistry right so like i i don't i don't by any means think that they're you know we're we're not i guess um in the camp of right for your artist right mm-hmm. um or that the artist's uh true authentic self should not be stifled or or it, you know make sure that that can shine through to any and all cost but when you find the right people to write with mm-hmm. it just becomes more collaborative and everyone's invested in the same process and i think that the label saw this as well which is why they shipped us off to all kinds of different ends of the earth to find the right people Mm -hmm. and um and we did i think we found that for sure um so i I never like to you know try to hide hide behind any like you know yeah it was all me i wrote everything i wrote everything (laughs) from the drum parts to the guitar riffs and everything else Yeah. (laughs) yeah um I wrote all my lyrics. I can tell you that, uh, and the and the stories and the concepts that we write are are very much our own. Um, but I, I think it's important to to cite those people that are are there to elevate your artistry and your brand and your you know and make you think about things that you really hadn't thought of before. Um, you know, I recently I uh, was hanging out with a couple other um, we I, we played Ship Rocked. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a few weeks ago yeah, yeah. okay I'm, I'm sure we're getting there but like we Pretty played well. ship rock okay and uh and we were hanging out with some of the other bands and the producers and things like that because there's all kinds of people that are there from the industry and they were like you know the pop world doesn't have this where it's like mm-hmm. oh you need to be your own brand and there's nobody else that can tell you how to be there's eight 12 14 different writers on some of these pop songs and they're like mm-hmm. how do you think that they got there they took everyone's perspective into account and all parties served the song and it wasn't one person that just said no my ideas are best and i don't want anyone else's ideas instead it's a much more collaborative process and so of course you're going to get the best result and they're you know those songs get billions of mm-hmm. of views and downloads and things like that. And I thought that was a really eye-opening perspective. I was like, you know, you're right on. You know, this this should be more of a um, oh, you have a good idea. Cool. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sure. And since that. you brought up Shiprocked, we didn't actually have any questions about it, but I guess we'll talk about it a little bit. 
Mm -hmm. uh, that was like super last minute, correct? <laughs> I felt like we won a cruise. That's how last minute <laughs> I mean, it was. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're, like we're bands like <laughs> dropping off and stuff and like you guys were just like got the call and it was like, hell yeah. So we made the call because oh. we saw oh. that there was all kinds of like, you know, shimmying around and we were like, can we like shimmy our way onto this thing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so just so happens that it was, it was a long shot turned into a maybe turned into a confirmed offer oh, within, I don't know, like 48 hours. That's so it oh, wow. like throw some t-shirts in a bin everybody in the truck let's go we got three days <laughs> we gotta get on this fucking boat leave. yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave port. And, yeah uh, so it was it was really kind of a wild ride you know just getting there but even once getting on board even more of a i'm, I'm so grateful that we that we got a chance to do it some friends of ours that we've known um from our short history touring mm -hmm. had also played and been part of these events Hush, Murph. I'm hanging out with people. Can we Can meet, we meet Murph? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Come here. Look. Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. Hi, Murph. I know. Hi. He's mad at me because um, if I close the door, that means he can't come in or out and he doesn't like the door closed. So it's not even a matter of he can't get out right now. Mm -hmm. It's there's there's no option. He doesn't like not having options. <laughs> yeah. Cause I could let him out and he'll still meow and do the same crap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but, so calm down, Murph. We're in the middle of an interview. Um, but he, so we, we get on the ship and everybody was telling us, you know, you guys got to experience ship rocks. I mean, once you've lived it, you'll never want to go back. And they're mm -hmm. so right. When we got on board, it was just far surpassed our expectations everybody was the best i mean human possible in truly on this ship the the fans were great the bands were amazing their production team was second to none i mean truly they were they were just it was an incredible experience oh yeah sure. and uh, since you said like it was like an unforgettable experience and everything can you share like one of your favorite memories from the cruise no, yeah, I can give you top three. Okay, okay. Oh, yes, perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, so first was Joey Belladonna of Anthrax came up on stage and crashed our set to sing our cover song that we do, Separate Ways, Journey. Wow. With us. So, yeah, it was crazy because, like, okay, we got this idea. Um, Steel Panther was on the boat, mm -hmm. and they were the first performance as we were leaving to go on our, on our grand journey. And they brought up Joey and he's saying, don't stop believing mm -hmm. those guys. So my idiot friends that I hang out with in our band just randomly pass by and see Joey's chilling there with the guy from, you know, the singer of Steel Panther and some other bands. And, and we were just walking by and he goes, Hey, I heard that you like to do covers of Journey. Would you should come do ours with us? And I was like, all mortified. Immediately. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the lead singer of Steel Panther, Michael Starr, looks over at Joey and goes, "Cold man, super cold." And I was like, "No, did we just offend everybody like in the same foul swoop as you just like casually yeah. asking legends to join us on stage? Nobody knows who we are. Shut up!" Oh no. <laughs> Look at the bottom of the pool, and we had to ask to get on here. Yeah, right. I'm like, this is crazy. We shouldn't even be here. Stop. 
you're bothering people. So I, I circle back around and Joey's the biggest sweetheart that ever lived truly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, please don't feel obligated because my idiot friend wants to just tell you that you need to come. He was like, well, what time are you guys playing? <laughs> like, um, so this is like a for real, maybe. <laughs> but, so we tell him, you know, we're just kind of ch- chit-chatting and, you know, we figured he probably would forget about what we just talked about, or maybe he was just trying to let us down easy. Mm-hmm. The next night when we were performing in the aft lounge stage, which was fairly small capacity, but like all of the stages sounded great. Mm-hmm. They just, what it wasn't, you know, it was just like not the main deck stage, right? It's just this little lounge bar mm-hmm. we were playing the the la- big stage the next morning mm-hmm. uh, it was like noon we were like opening the big deck stage but that night was like our first performance on the ship and um we had several people standing in front of us having a good old time right and then all this whispering starts happening and we can kind of see it right i mean the music's loud so we can't really hear anything but like all of the people start looking and we're like what are you looking at mm-hmm. and on rob's side of the stage he sees joey belladon is like hey <laughs> like this is happening yeah. so we, we were like okay we're not supposed to play this till later in the set but we're calling an audible right now because a legend just so happens to want to join us on stage ladies and gentlemen please welcome Jordan Donald. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, yeah and he's saying several it was the, the coolest thing in the world because i think just because most times the, those kinds of situations occur, it's when people know each other. It's a very small industry. A lot of people have built rapport and they're friends, you know? Um, we just showed up as a newbie and like invited random, amazing rock stars to join us. And it worked. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Only on ship rocks. Yeah. Only on ship rocks. Only Could you, rocks. you know? And, and then, um, I think one of my other favorite moments was because Badflower was on the, the ship. And one of my favorite Badflower songs is not on one of their albums. It's just a one-off single that's a fan favorite, I feel like, that they've kept around. It's called Move Me. Mm-hmm. And I saw them perform in the theater stage, and I almost didn't catch their main deck stage. But I caught half of it. And at the bottom half of it, at the end of the, the performance, they closed with Move Me. Oh. And I immediately became a fangirl. And yeah. I like, lost my mind. I was like, oh, they're playing the song and I never expected them to play live. Um, so I was really excited for, for those two moments. And the other moment that um, was probably my favorite was just the, I mean, we sailed into 85 degree weather and had the best time walking, chilling around in Mexico. And it was just surreal to mm-hmm. take in the fact that I was there with bands I've been listening to for like 10 years (laughs) or more right Mm -hmm. or grew up on in some cases and they were all just milling around cool with beverages in hand and sunglasses on and fans were mingling and they were you know um also coming up to us for photos and them for photo it was just like a weird wow we're here like Mm -hmm. this is this is a moment you know so that, that was probably my third, my third favorite was just the realization of like, holy crap, this is happening. Very oh cool. God. I'm glad you had I'm, a blast. Yeah. I'm so happy you had that experience. Awesome. So we're going to just shift back to our questions now, if that's all right with you. Awesome. 
We should do that because I could keep going. <laughs> fair enough. It's fair. Uh, so I want you to pick your favorite lyric off these couple of tracks and tell us the meaning behind it. Oh, no one's ever asked me that before. I love mm-hmm. this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I, it's got to be comatose. Comatose is probably my favorite track off the record. Mm-hmm. Just because it is, um, it sits within that frame that I love of being very meaningful and powerful, but also kind of hits the heavier tones and gets a little angry yeah. and gets a little bitter, right? So when I, when you're screaming, um, someone saved me from myself, I think that's so relatable because of the, the way that I talk. So I talk to fans and other bands and everybody always has a story and I feel like at some moment in their story people wish that they could have done differently or that they themselves didn't think that way about their own life about themselves we are at war with some part of who we are at some point whether you're just growing through something and you need that to change or you've really felt like you made a mistake somewhere and you have a lot of regret about that. Um, whatever that path looks like, I think that's just probably one of the most relatable concepts. And the way that it sits in the song is just, it's such a powerful moment for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I love playing live where that is where we belong. This band is a live band through and through mm-hmm. um, between me and my buddy, Chris, we just eat it up on the stage so like live is is where the moments happen for me so when we have that as like the cadence after the the chorus someone save me broke myself right mm-hmm. everybody loses their mind as they should <laughs> hell yeah yep. yeah thank you mm-hmm. yeah. so it's just a powerful moment and i think that's probably one of my favorite lyrics just because of what it does for me in that setting yeah uh so where is your headspace at while you're writing these couple of singles a little bit everywhere, you know, um, I guess briefly unstoppable is actually a paying homage to my parents' love story because they were kind of young and wild. And my dad used to steal my aunt's red Corvette and go take my mom on joy rides when she was Whoa. at work. That's cute. <laughs> so, yeah. So when I talk about a stolen red Corvette, that's like legitimately what my history looks like. Mm-hmm. So um, it was fun to take it into a space like that. Like, you know, it, um, usually it's all about my my own experience of things. But this this song was about a story that I had heard that I've been hearing for years. Right. About mm-hmm. my parents. Um, Comatose was a different world entirely. It was my own version of what I imagine addiction feels like. Um, So I I don't know if you guys know anything about my background, but um, just personally, and each individual member of my band, unfortunately, has gone through some version of addiction plaguing their family or their loved Mm -hmm. ones in some way, right? So um, mine was very close to me. Um, My Both my parents struggled with addiction. My mother made it out and my dad lost his bite. So, um, it was that moment I was, I was reflecting more on my mom's journey about how, you know, cause she had been in recovery for long enough to me to talk with her about like how remorseful it is and how like out of body it is. And that there's something else is in the driver's seat when you 
introduce that into your world. So for me, I thought of, you know, it would probably have felt better if I was in her shoes to just lose myself in sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, and become comatose instead of, I can't, because I can't trust myself to make my own decisions. I can't do what I want to do or be who I want to be. So I'd rather be asleep. I'd rather be comatose. Just put me, you know, let me sleep through this. I want to be out of my misery kind of thing Mm -hmm. um, without the unaliving process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But but that's, you know, I think that was, that was where my head was at least. Mm -hmm. And blow was meant to just sort of be like a sassy, aggressive how like woman empowerment kind of thing and I, I really only say woman empowerment because I'm singing it but just a sassy empowerment vibe mm-hmm. in, in any case um but the way that they integrated it into the retaliators is brilliant because if you've seen the music video it's all horror themed and it was mm-hmm. actually filmed on the retaliator set so I love that the, that they took that and twisted it into um you know, almost added like a crazy element of like murderer and type of, you know, like I'm about to lose my mind and like slay everything. Like, ooh, <laughs> that's dark. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, so how do you recommend your fans to listen to these couple of tracks for the first time? Should they play in the car with friends, in the dark with headphones on? Should they blast at a party, work out to it? What do you personally recommend? In the car, turned up with or without other humans, but I, I really do think in the car turned up. Most people have like settings in their car where they can really get the best sound, right? Mm-hmm. Out of their speakers or whatever. Um, but I think to driving along to anything that's powerful is just sort of a vibe, right? And I feel like whether that's inspirational and fun or it's like dark and headbanging, um, which you kind of get both on, you know, for those couple of songs, um, in the car super loud all right and if you don't mind me asking how did you personally listen to these tracks for the first time um it was less in the car more in the studio mm-hmm. um, okay which is mm-hmm. an even cooler sound system because you can really make sure everything's all dialed in right but it was definitely through the speakers in a live room setting mm-hmm. and it was so much fun so i i take back what I said before I really think you should have other people with you so that you can look at each other and be like yeah Yeah. (laughs) because that was my experience and it just made it even better yeah (laughs) Yeah. and if you could kind of describe that energy that you guys felt in the studio when you were finally listening to the tracks all finished could you could you do that for us Mm, final tracks Mm -hmm. final tracks was like almost you know like some of those moments that are super excitable we're standing there and head banging but I feel like as musicians when you really feel it mm-hmm. especially if it's yours you just kind of look at each other with a sinister little half smile like this is going to slay everything mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right yeah. like you just have that sense of just accomplishment and you're very you know like what what we did this yeah that- that's us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. yes, you know, this is, so I, I feel like if, if there were, you know, not with all of those crazy facial expressions, but usually it's just like a, a real sly, like th- this is, this is it. This is what we needed. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, perfect. So this question should be super, super quick. Off the top of your head, I want you to describe these couple of singles in three words, no more, no less, as fast as you can. Um, yeah. Thought there was more to that. There's not. <laughs> <laughs> Usually there's multiple uh, people, so I say everyone. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, powerful, loud, inspiring. Perfect. Ooh. All right, all right. And so is there a certain feeling or emotion you want these tracks to invoke in your listeners? Uh, I feel like they have different ones. Okay. But um, you could go track by track if you want. I, I kind of think like I just want people to feel like somebody gets it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to put that into an emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I just understood maybe can, you know, but that's not an emotion. Maybe um fulfillment in the sense that this is a very wide spectrum of different things. There's like angry stuff and sad stuff and inspiring, but pretty sounding things. And then also just things that are there for fun. So I want people to be like, this is, this is good. Like I can, I can listen to these songs in this moment, that moment, or that moment. And all of it, like, I feel like they get it. I feel like they get it. So I just, I like that connection. Meaningful connection is something that I'm super all about, whether I'm doing music or I'm not doing music. So I feel like when I'm really passionate about the music that I write, I want people to be able to be like, when they meet me, because we stand out by the merch booth at like every show we can, at the Mm -hmm. meet and greet, whatever, and be like, you guys, you did the thing. I was, I was right here the whole time. Like, Yes perfect <laughs> all right very cool um so what band or artist influence do you think you can hear the most on these tracks if any oh probably lots probably lots because i mean we all took from different you know like my guitar players were super inspired by deftones and metallica um cory whose drummer is super inspired um Oh, his name is Morgan. What band does he play for? Oh no, he's gonna kill me for blanking on this. Oh, no. At any rate, most of us have a um, couple different, very key, you know, artists that influenced us in in just our personal walk with music, right? Whether that's the vocals or or whatever it is that they do. Um, the reason why they picked up a guitar, the reason why they picked up drumming. But I think that on the collective you know, side for the record. There's, it's like Chickleback. There. I said it. I said okay. it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. Yeah. It's definitely like just powerhouse rock and roll like Nickelback is so known for. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like formulaic stuff in there i'm not gonna lie it's not like an artsy sort of like real you know inspired type album until you get to moments and that's what i like about them because they still have guitar solos and they still have these little like cool fills and different things and like then there's also like i don't know pop influence from from my end because i i grew up with i don't know christina aguilera and alicia keys and yeah you know but also amy lee and you know so like wildly different spectrum i guess um so there's lots of layered vocals and stacked harmonies and like sometimes in the choruses I just go off, you know, yeah. I'm like hitting all these notes and stuff. So uh, um, I think there's a lot of different artists, I think, in there. Okay, okay. that's fair. 
So what is your favorite memory that you made while creating these singles? Oh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a haunting one a little bit, but it, you'll see why I laugh at it. So okay. I was in the studio writing the words to our song heroin. And that's not, that's not part of um, the lineup of the three songs that we've been talking about, but it is on the record. Right. So mm-hmm. as we were writing the album and this was close to me because it was just right after I had lost my dad. And so this was kind of the more powerful side and, and emotional side of what I was going through is the sad mm-hmm. side. Right. But dudes don't do well with emotion a lot. And I was the only non-dude in the room. So as I'm sitting here, Niagara Falls, penning these lyrics, right? I noticed everybody else just sort of like tiptoes away (laughs) and like tries to give me my space, but like, Mm -hmm. isn't sure what to do. It's like that awkward, like, "Eh, you're going to, I can't tell her she's going to be okay. She just lost her dad. You know, like they don't know what to do, (laughs) but they were texting each other, like trying their hardest, those guys at much love, but they were trying their hardest to be like, okay, let me know when she's okay. Do you need any tissue down there? Nope, got tissue. Okay, cool. I'm just going to let her have a moment. Yeah. <laughs> they were very supportive. Okay. And it, we, we laugh about it now because it was just funny that they had no idea what to do with the crying girl in their midst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but it, we got a great song out of it. And it was really, um, you know, I, I feel like I was fulfilled in that moment because I got what was on my heart out onto the page, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was grateful that they let me have my moment, but man, was it funny. Yeah. <laughs> After the fact. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just um, sit there and watch them squirm when you don't wipe away. No. The tears, yeah. 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 Uh, so as we've hinted at, uh, these singles are leading up to a record coming out later this year. Uh, what can you tell us about it? The upcoming album. Ooh. Um, lots of different topics are discussed right? Um, the album is called Love, Drugs, and Misery. And that's pretty much thematic, right? So each of the songs on the album, there's probably one, two, three different songs about those topics. And it was kind of my take on like drug, sex, and rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like that was the generation before me. And so the fallout of that is my generation, which is love, drugs, and misery. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I kind of um, took some creative liberties in naming the album. And I feel like the, the themes are kind of um, all, in, all encompassing on and, and the different tracks. So the, lots of different sounds, lots of different topics. And it kind of takes you into this you know, kind of story mode um, overall. It was, it was really funny. I didn't realize until... Uh, we started selling t-shirts with the artwork on mm-hmm. for love, drugs, and misery, mm-hmm. how edgy apparently people think this is. They're like, well, I can't, I can't wear a t-shirt that says drugs. <laughs> what? And this is an anti-drug message. <laughs> like, no, this yeah. is not, I'm not telling you to go out and do, no, we're just, this is, I said, wow. I mean, like you, PG-13 is edgy now. I don't know. Yeah, yeah like, I guess, I guess so. like if you walk into school with like a shirt that says drugs, like they'll they'll dress code you for it. Like, I, I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Like just like, the word itself. Target market 15 year olds. So I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> Your kid needs an anti-drug message. You're welcome. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. Oh my God. Uh, so for this question, I want you to picture you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. You're going in. What is your snack of choice? 
snack of choice. It's more like what snack is available? Because <laughs> there are so many different chains that like, oh my goodness, they just never stopped. Loves, mm-hmm. don't go to Loves. Sinclair's, don't go to Sinclair's. If you Ooh. have a chance, Flying J, that's the best one. Uh-huh. Or um, oh, there's one in Pennsylvania. I'll have to come back to you guys. Sheets? I, I know. Wawa? If you're Sheets, yes. it's oh. Sheets. Uh, we love... Listen, that place has saved my life several times after many a show when there was nothing else open and it was just oh sheets. Yeah. But we um probably go to I really like goldfish, like the pepperidge farms, like just regular like goldfish snacks. Um and it's pretty benign. So like not too acidic and not too so I just crackers and water. Oh pretty That's pretty good. chill. Yeah. Most of them would probably say kind of like ice cream, candy, something that's terrible for you. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the gym the next day to like make justify themselves. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you yeah. have to like keep your voice together. So I get it. Yeah. I try. Yeah. Try. Um, Sophie's last couple of questions so I could shift away from music and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Oh. You got me. Mm. chicken fajitas and a lime margarita all right that sounds delicious <laughs> that sounds <laughs> perfect yeah <laughs> all right it's just you know one last fiesta exactly exactly there you go so if you could live in one fictional world for a week where would you live one fictional world mm-hmm. for a week I hate this question because all of my fictional worlds are like war-torn elven empires. You know what I mean? Like I would yeah. want to live there because that's a lot. I can't actually wield a sword. Maybe if I was like actually five, then I could, you know, like the whatever, fae, five, el- some kind yeah. of elven creature. Yeah, maybe, maybe that. If I could be the character that was like cut out for that environment, mm-hmm. probably, probably one of those. Um, or I recently read a book called the shade that would be cool too it's like a coven of vampires but like they have a witch protected island and they're all like super rich and there's no rules there so let's do that one that sounds really cool that does yeah it was yeah yeah the shade if you i mean there's like a million books that are but the first three i think are really good okay perfect um so i've been asking the last question and every single person we've spoken to have said that is the most important question what's your favorite color Orange. Specific shade of orange? Sunset? There you that go. sounded like a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because it could be different. I like neon too, but neon is only in certain settings. Like in summertime, I think neon makes sense. But like mm-hmm. any other time, I really like just the real pretty kind of sky, natural orange, right? Like a flower. Yeah. Or yeah. sunset, right? Yeah. In the summertime, I'm like, go hard, neon. Exactly. Everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Perfect. That makes sense. Um, so, as I said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? I mean, shout out to you guys for having me on this podcast. Yeah, of thank course. you. And mm-hmm. uh, check out Eve Under Fire. We're all over Spotify. I have a new growing TikTok account, just in case you want to follow for more shenanigans. And uh, you can pre-order the album. So you should go to all the links and all my socials and pre-order Love, Drugs, and Misery. All right. 
Uh, well, thank you for now. This has been Eva from Eva Under Fire, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.